Hello, Concordia family. What a joy it is to be with you again. Today is Wednesday, July 8th. And as we gather together, I am reminded of those many phrases we see throughout the Psalms. Phrases like, O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall declare your praise. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Our lives are filled with so much wonderful and gracious gifts that come from our Heavenly Father, uh, that it is right to respond with thanks and praise. And so, as we do that this morning, uh, we begin in prayer. Let us pray. Faithful God, whose mercies are new to us every day, receive our thanks and praise for your goodness and steadfast love. We humbly pray that you would look upon us in mercy and renew us by your Holy Spirit. Keep safe our going out and our coming in, and let your blessing remain with us throughout this day. Preserve us in your righteousness, and grant us a portion in that eternal life which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We continue our praise with the hymn, Praise to the Lord. You can pause here to access the PDF of the lyrics, and then join in as we sing this together.
We continue in this sermon series, One God, One Question. As we do, we get to have a bit of a treat today in this sermon series from 2015. We get to hear from Professor Jim Bachman, who's been retired now for a number of years. But we get to hear him and his wisdom as he helps us dig into God's Word and look at the question, what is my purpose? Uh, What is my purpose? Obviously, this is a question that nearly everybody asks. It isn't only Christians who ask it. But as Christians, we have faith and trust that we can boldly ask God about our futures, what our purpose is. Now, what we don't always remember is that we also need faith and trust to hear the answers that God gives us. And we have a hymn in our hymnal. We don't need to look it up. I'm going to put it on the screen uh, that may help us get started on this. Uh, The poetry is a little tricky. Uh, We don't very often sing this hymn because it can be fairly challenging. Uh, Dr. Martin Franzman, the author of the text, was a teacher of mine a long time ago. And my wife and I had the privilege of being in a college choir where this uh, hymn was first introduced to a conference of church leaders. So it's one that we've thought about over the years in a variety of ways. We'll use it as a kind of prayer to get us started. And if it's a little hard to scan because of the way the poetry goes, don't let that worry you. Just stick with the text. So we'll speak together. O God, O Lord of heaven and earth, your living finger never wrote that life should be an aimless moat, a deathward drift from futile birth. Your word meant life, triumphant hurled, in splendor through your broken world. Since light awoke and life began, you made for us a holy plan. So, Franzman says, we Christians have a sturdy hope that life is not aimless, it's not just a drift toward death, it's going somewhere. But interestingly, in his second stanza, he says, watch out, Because quite often we find ourselves, even under the best of circumstances, substituting our own purposes for God's purposes and confusing things. And the result, he laments, and we can speak the bottom lines together, is that we've walled us in this house of doom where death had royal scope and room until your servant, Prince of Peace, broke down its walls for our release. Well, then, in stanzas three and four, he says, stop thinking about yourself for a moment. Look at Jesus. And he says that having looked at what God did in sending our Savior, at the end, he says, this gives us some of our purpose that in these gray, and we'll speak it again together, that in these gray and latter days, there may be those whose life is praise, each life a high doxology unto the Holy Trinity. Amen. So that's how the hymn comes to an end. And one of our prayers we use often in the communion liturgy echoes some of what Franzman is after in saying, we should live with faith toward God and fervent love toward one another. Okay, so that's some background to start, but probably we'd like more details about our purposes. The advice is take your eyes off yourself, focus on Jesus, And your purposes in life will emerge well enough and soon enough. And for our Bible study, I thought it might be helpful to look at the life of Moses, which illustrates the necessity of focusing on God rather than on ourselves 
and in fact illustrates how tricky it can be sometimes to find our purposes in life. So we're going to speed read the first 33 chapters of Exodus. Are you ready? Skip chapter 1. That helped. Chapter 2. Moses is born. He's an Israelite amongst the enslaved Israelites, but he ends up being raised by an Egyptian princess. So he's not really an Egyptian, but there he is. And then his own people don't exactly accept him either. So he ends up leaving Egypt and finds his purpose in marriage and a calling as a shepherd among the Midianites. And that's where Moses spends a good part of the early part of his life. And his purpose in life is to love his wife, to raise his children, to help his father-in-law in in the family business. All's going well. But then in chapter 3, God fundamentally reorients Moses' life. God wants Moses to be the human leader of his plan, that is God's plan, to bring the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt and to take them to the promised land. Well, Moses says... No way. I already have a job. I'm doing fine. But God persists and he responds, have faith. I will be with you. So now as we press on in our speed reading, chapter four could take up the rest of today. There's a mysterious struggle for Moses, a struggle even with God, as Moses comes to term with what God has done in his life. And it's a kind of scary story, but in our speed reading, we can pass over. Then chapters 5 and 6, things don't go well. Why would Pharaoh listen to me and my brother Aaron, Moses says? And in fact, I can't even get the Israelites to listen to me uh, because I'm not really one of them, given the complications of my way I was raised and my life with the Midianites and all the rest. Well, now, look how fast we can go. Chapters 7 to 14. Things go well for Israel, badly for Egypt. Moses succeeds in liberating them from Egypt, obviously God delivering them from their slavery. Chapters 15 to 31, pretty hopeful, right? We're only going to go to chapter 33. There's progress, but there's also setbacks. The Ten Commandments are given. Fortunately, Pastor Gwaltney talked a bit about that last Thursday, so we can pass over it. A lot else goes on in these chapters Now we come to chapter 32, and that's where we need to focus. At this point in their journey, freed from Egypt but not yet to the promised land, impatient and faithless Israelites turn from God while Moses is delayed up on the mountain working on various things God would have him do to bring to the people, And they end up imaging a golden calf as their gods and say, these are the gods that delivered us from Egypt. So what happens with Moses? Well, in chapter 32, we read, Moses is on the mountain. He's been conferring with God. And God says to him, hey, Moses, you need to go back down from the mountain. Your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt. They've corrupted themselves. And then God goes on and tells him about the golden calf and all of that. Now think about being Moses. Wait a minute, my people, I was happy in the land of the Midianites. I didn't want to go back to Egypt. I didn't want to lead the Israelites. And I didn't particularly bring them up out of Egypt. God, you did that. 
Well, God persists and says to Moses, look, these are a stiff-necked people, so leave me alone. I'm going to go destroy them. And in fact, I'll make a great nation out of you. So how's Moses now supposed to figure out his purpose in life? So far, he's been leading the people. There's been successes. There's been setbacks. But now there's this fundamental collapse. And suddenly God wants to end the whole plan and start a new one with Moses. Notice how he's tempted to change his purpose in life. And that temptation can even look like it's coming straight from God who has changed his mind about what he's doing. But now watch Moses struggling with his purpose in life. He implores the Lord his God and says, O Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people? You brought them out of the land of Egypt. I think that's just very amusing and very courageous. Uh, Moses says, you know, this bit about me, not no. You brought them out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand. And he starts with a kind of uh, crass argument. What will people say about you, God, if you just bring your people out and destroy them in the wilderness? But then he gets even deeper into what he's learned from God as he's been living his purpose before God. Moses says, God, turn from your burning anger. Relent from this disaster. Remember you made promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel and said, I will multiply your offspring. They will be my people. They will inherit the promised land. And lo and behold, God says, you're right, Moses. And he relents from the disaster that he had spoken of bringing on his people. Okay, well, we need to keep moving fairly quickly. He goes down the mountain. He's ticked off at the people. He talks to his brother Aaron, who had made the calf. And Aaron says, oh, I didn't really make the calf. They just gave me gold. I threw it in the power. Poof! Out comes a golden calf. Right. Um, we can skip all that. Then Moses has to go back up the mountain. And he returns to the Lord. And he says, you're right. These people have sinned a great sin. They've made these gods of gold. But now if you will forgive their sin. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. Look how seriously he takes his original purpose. To trust God's original plan. And to be a medium of love from God to the Israelite people. And God says, well, whoever sinned against me I will blot out. But you go, lead these people will carry on. Well, we seem almost over the crisis. But put yourself in Moses' shoes. His confidence is shaken. What if the people provoke God again? What if God eventually does change his mind despite all his promises? So Moses says, I've got a plan. I'm going to ask God to show me his map to reveal everything that he's going to be doing, where he's taken us, how the people are going to go. I need to know the future in detail so I can know my purpose in life. So he wants a direct answer to that question. So he goes back to God, and these are his words. If I've found favor in your sight, please show me your ways. God simply says, okay, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
Now, if you were Moses, would you be satisfied with this answer? You want the whole picture so you don't get surprised again like happened in the earlier verses. But all God says is, I'll go with you and I will give you rest. Well, Moses persists. He says, please show me your glory. Show me the whole picture. God says, well, I'll make all my goodness pass before you, and I'll proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious, and I will show mercy. But he said, there are limits to what any human can manage when the question is, what's the whole big plan and how's it all going to work out? So God says to Moses, there's a place here where you can stand on a rock and my glory will pass by, but while that happens, I'm going to put you in a little niche in the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Luther said that these events, particularly in chapters 32 and 33, remind us that there's a distinction between God as he hides himself from us and God as he reveals himself to us, most notably in Jesus Christ. So we got to expect that God is often going to hide where exactly we're going in this life and how it's all supposed to work out. But just as he answered Moses with, I will go with you and give you rest, especially in Jesus, he's revealed to us his eternal love, his constant presence, Jesus himself, where two or three are gathered, as we are this morning, there am I in your midst. So takeaways from this speed reading of Exodus. What is my purpose? Well, stay focused on God and what his plan and what he's doing and cultivate faith in God so you trust that he's leading somewhere fruitful. And then he's also said cultivate love toward the people that he's given you in your life, even the people that disappoint you, that betray you, that fail you. Sometimes you'll see clearly where you're going. Often you won't. And part of it's because God has placed us in the middle of many freedoms. Sometimes people ask, what is my purpose? Because they want to know exactly what career they ought to pursue. Well, there's likely more than one way you can develop your gifts and live a productive, purposeful, and God-pleasing life. Sometimes people want to know God's exact plan or how they're going to marry and have a family. Well, there's likely more than one man or woman with whom you can make a good, purposeful marriage. And God seems not in the business of writing out a predetermined plan and then seeing if you can guess what it is and follow it. No, he wants us to live by faith and to trust him and to realize that in this life there are many twists and turns both because there are surprises and also because sometimes people fail and God has to go in a new direction. Along the way, we'll have plenty of opportunities to exercise faith and trust in God, even as Moses did. 
not always knowing precisely where he's leading us. But we do know that God is with us. And that because he's with us, we can be loving and a blessing to people that God has put right near us, whose lives we can affect. And we also trust that all things work together for good for those who are called, as St. Paul says, and we're back to God's purpose as we find it in Jesus. Let's finish with prayer together. One of the prayers from our evening services. Lord God, you have called your servants to ventures of which we cannot see the ending by paths as yet untrodden, through perils unknown. Give us faith to go out with good courage, not knowing where we go, but only that your hand is leading us and your love supporting us. We pray with confidence in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. Amen. Well, friends, that brings us to the end of today. I pray that you were blessed with this time in the Word, this time that we had together, and I look forward to being with you again next week. Have a great rest of your day and your week.